You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Episode 297 of the New Utah Podcast. Uh, we're Where Jeremy to, uh, has COVID. No. No, he does not have COVID. He's just feeling crummy after like not anymore. <laughs> so we did some pre-recording because of schedules and people and things that we did and guests and stuff like that the last couple Thank weeks. Thank goodness we did. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, Jeremy was down and out for a solid week. I was five days. I was I did not get out of bed or move for five straight days. And That's, Hannah, uh, Hannah had it for about three days, so not as bad. Jonathan had it, but was wasn't really down it didn't hit him too hard and thankfully heather lost well not thankfully but she lost her taste and smell had a bit of a cough but she was okay enough to keep the rest of us alive i'm kind of surprised it hit you so hard that just tells me you're incredibly unhealthy jeremy That's i guess like so immunocompromised i don't know or i've been i've got my vaccines and stuff i don't know it was crazy so yeah, yeah I mean, we retested yesterday we're, we're clean, clean and clear, but it's that getting over it. It's the you just feel wiped out, the lingering cough, all that, all that stuff that goes along with it. Yeah, how's how's work been? <laughs> Being down and out, man, that's got to be brutal with how busy you've been. So for those days that I was out, I'd like do my best to send out a couple of texts and tell people. Luckily. The bulk of my like important clients, Frank and those guys, I told them, hey, I've got COVID. And they were like, you do what you got to do and just get back in touch with this. So most of my good clients were fine. It was some of my not so pleasant clients that were, well, I've got to have this. And well, like, okay, I'm almost well, dead. Yeah, I'm dying so, here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, needless to say, I'm I'm quite a bit behind, but the last – few days and a lot, the last couple of days of last week and then this week I've been able to put in four or five hours at a time then I got to go take a break and then I put in another couple of hours so it's coming it's 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 getting there I guess that kind of has the beauty of working for yourself at your own place because you can do that you can take a few hours off I've got a guy that's been out and he's like I just if I take a nap in the middle of the day for a couple hours I'm refreshed and I can Finish up. Yeah. He had COVID last week too. So that's kind of what I've been doing. So I'll get up around eight. So I'm at least, I'm allowing myself to sleep in a little because I don't, I'm not sleeping that great. Get up around eight, put in three or four hours, take, take a 30, 40 minute nap and then go back at it. So it is funny. Um, right before I got COVID, a friend of yours had some chickens. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, a guy, hey, it's a guy I work with, not a friend necessarily. Not I'm a friend. A guy, I work with, but... So he's like, you sent me a message and said, hey, I've got a guy that's looking to pawn off some chickens. Yeah, I'm we were, sure we'll take them. Uh, we were uh, sitting in a meeting, and he's like, yeah, I got two chickens. I want to get rid of them. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, if you know anyone that wants them. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a buddy that'll take them. He's like, they're no good problem. chickens. So I him a he's like, they're laying. <laughs> had it all set up for for Monday. <clears throat> Thursday is when it kind of started. Friday was rough, and by Saturday, I was out. So Monday, I sent a message. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm not a flaky person, but I've got COVID and I can't move. So um, I didn't want to string them out too long. So Julia actually went and picked them up, which is awesome. 
But she went from work to pick him up, and she's like, I think they're afraid of the chickens because they wouldn't touch them. So I had to chase them down in my work clothes, who's oh, wearing no. one of her dresses. <laughs> so, like I had to chase them down and catch them because they, like, wouldn't touch them. It was a little weird. <laughs> so he told me the chickens came with the house. And they don't really oh, want anything yeah. to do with the chickens. Like, they don't really care about the chickens. That's why he's like, I just want to get rid of these. And uh, That makes sense. And uh, he, he saw me today and he goes, oh, hey, your your buddy's kid, Julia, came and picked up the chickens. I'm like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah, she definitely is. Uh, she knows her homestead stuff. I'm like, well, she's Jeremy's kid. So that doesn't look yeah. surprising. <laughs> well, we've had chickens since she was, I don't know, eight. She's pretty, yeah. So, I mean. She knows how to handle them, but it was just kind of funny when she showed up. She's like, they wouldn't touch them, so I had to chase them down. Chase them down and corral them and throw them in a cage. But they're good-looking chickens. I mean, they're nice and nice size, and so, yeah, we're happy to take them. So anybody else out there that wants to get rid of their chickens, especially if they're laying-age chickens. If they're just old chickens that don't lay eggs anymore, yeah. just they'll die anyway. I don't, just, I don't want them. Just put them down. That's fine. I'll put them on KSL. They'll be gone in five minutes. <laughs> Some Hispanic family will come and take them all. Hey. I say that. Well, <laughs> it's true. The few times that we've gotten rid of the older ones, we put it on KSL. It's always a Hispanic family that shows up. They're like, we'll take everything you got. That's weird. I don't understand why. Are they eating them? Are they, they're turning them into tamales. Probably. <laughs> they're using the bones for stock. I mean, all you can really do with those is boil them. They're not good for much else. And no. So, that, I mean, I mean that very well stock. could be. Yeah, well, and you see them, <clears throat> like our chickens, you see our chickens, they look big and fluffy. You take off the feathers, they are the scrawniest looking, they look like a wet chopper. They're just like these <laughs> tiny little scrawny things, like and they're no good rats, Yeah, No, they're all stringy and gross, especially when they get that old. Yeah, once once they start laying, all of their body fat goes to eggs, so they're not good eating. Yeah, exactly. Maybe in the apocalypse, you know, and, and you're starving. But but even at that, you'd you'd need to boil them down and, and make chicken stock and chicken soup out of them. They're really not going to be good to just. Which is up. probably what they're yeah, doing. Probably they're probably they're making, making stock, and like Chris said, they're yeah. using the broth for tamales. Exactly. Anyway, so that's been my last week. So I am very grateful that we decided to do a double recording last time because we're kind of on the fence and we're all like, ah, let's just do it. I am grateful we did. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it makes for a really long day when we do double recordings. Um, but I, you know, sometimes it's nice to have that week off because we don't folks that are listening, we don't take weeks off. I mean, we have new content every single week, uh, for you, regardless of the time. We're coming up on six years with not a single break. Yeah, 297 episodes. We're getting real close to 300, which is a pretty big milestone, I think. So uh, that's once yep. a week for, for years. So Pretty soon you could listen to an episode every single day. Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of things dying, like chickens, old chickens, <laughs> uh, Bree's, uh, Bree, Bree's dad passed away. My um, biological dad, the that, one that I just found a few months ago. That's a pretty fucked up segue. Like if any of Bree's... Any of Bree's recently found half siblings hear that i doubt any of them are gonna listen to this i mean you don't know they might but just in case or any of the nieces and nephews that you have because uh, there's like 30 of them um, oh my god i didn't think about that yeah, i'm an aunt they're your nieces and nephews and you're not a half aunt you're a full you're a full-blown aunt full-blown aunt with a bunch of nieces and nephews now. So we got to start buying more Christmas presents, I think. No, I don't <laughs> even know what their names are. Well, I know Haley's The oldest name. is Bryson, and Haley is, is 
uh, just a couple and Brianna. years below him. And Brianna, uh, Brianna is a couple years below him, and Haley is and a couple years Haley. below her. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch that go all the way down to like probably four. <laughs> what so are like, 20, like 27 down to like four years well, old. Well, because there's seven of them. Yeah, there's seven. And like the oldest. The, the oldest are going to be 50 this year. And the youngest is going to be 40 this year. So seven okay. across 10 years. And the youngest was, I think, the one of the last to have kids because her kids, some of them are a little bit older, but some of them. She just has two. She just has two. There were some little two ones boys. still. So maybe one of the other siblings is still having little baby kids. I have no idea. But like I said, I think the youngest was like four or five. You know, it was no one's like super, super young. There weren't any babies up on the, the stage. They no. were all kids. I said so that means... Like four or five years yeah. old was the youngest is what I mean. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Bree's bio dad passed away. Suddenly. Definitely sorry to hear time. that. But, but on the other hand, I think it's cool that you actually got to meet him before he passed away. Yeah, I have one regret. There was a homecoming the the day after that the other IVF sister went to, and so there's a picture of the whole family, the all of the brothers and sisters with the mom and the dad and her, and I'm not in it. So you can always weekend with Bernie him and get everybody together <laughs> one last time. <laughs> so I, do you want to talk any more about this? Because it's really up to you. I, I don't care either. I want to. I want to talk about this funeral because I've been to quite a few funer- funerals and Mormon funerals. Holy shit, this dude! So let's just start off. He was an OBGYN in Utah County for most of his life, like his whole life, basically. Uh, you know, and uh, he so he delivered. At one point in the funeral, one of the one of the siblings, Jamie, Jamie was having people stand up for like ways that the you know that that he Has had he helped you in some way, given you stitches she, or. And she started off with, did he deliver you? Did he deliver a baby that came out of your womb? <laughs> and like, <laughs> just out of those two things, like a huge chunk of the room. I would had say like a quarter up. of it. And they had the, they had the extended part of the, the yeah. so chapel they had, open into the back and they had to actually pull chairs in and then they had two rooms with the TV. The, so LDS podcast. Stake Center, the entire, this is for all of our Mormon listeners, all three of them, because, you know, we're not good Mormon people. <laughs> but the, uh, what she's talking about is behind every, in the stake center, behind every congregational sitting area, chapel, chapel, whatever you want to call it, depending on your religion, there is an auditorium that is actually a basketball gym that has a stage on one side of it. That was it's the older up. building. It's a full size court. Yeah, and, and it, so this a, wasn't this wasn't a full size court. It was a half court. Oh, so but, a newer building. So it's the half court. Yeah, it's a but really new building. The entire thing was full, and they had two overflow rooms that they were streaming it into that were also full, and they were streaming it online. This gives you an idea of how many people knew this guy. Beyond that, though, like half of the people there were probably family because... Oh, I would say at least half the family, if not more. One of his siblings has, what is 111 kids? 109 kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids. Yeah, she's she's the oldest, and then she had, I think, 10 kids, and then they each like had, had 10, 10 kids. kids and, and they all had 10 kids, oh and goodness. some of them have had kids. Yeah, it's huge. Like him alone, his direct descendants and grandkids, he didn't have any great-grandkids yet. 29 uh, grandkids. 36 total between his his da- sons and daughters and the grandkids. And then if you account... If you counted Bree me and Sonny, and Sonny, you have to add um five five more. No, five. six more. No, no Sonny has what? three. You have two. Yeah, five. so five. five. What did he pass away from? Did 
Heart attack. Heart attack. I I suspect it was some damage from COVID because he had COVID back in October and he was just getting back to it and he had just started playing racquetball and getting getting going again. And I'm wondering if he had something happen that they didn't know because, you know, he survived it and was fine. He didn't ever go to the hospital because he was healthy before. Yeah, we talked to his wife and his kids and they're like, Never taken any prescription medications for anything. He never gonna, had heart problems. He missed his 75th birthday by four days. So he died on Monday on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And his birthday was supposed to be that Friday. And he was going to turn 75. So he was 75 and not on any kind of prescription medication at all. Um, not sick at all. Super active guy. Super involved. Yeah, never. So. Like, it, it was, he took some antacids and they thought they thought even that was strange because he just never had any problems and so um yeah it was pretty sudden and he was on us his grandson's soccer field and just died I right do, there i do think it was somewhat of a a blessing that he passed away so because we went out we've, we've told you guys on air like we went and met all the family at this reunion which part was, of the family yeah but a good chunk of it and that was insane it was like 150 people all related all that knew each other and we knew no one and it was really weird and, you know, it was odd. We got to talk to him for, I don't know, we probably talked to him for like an hour. Um, and then we left and like we really hadn't talked to him much beyond that. You know, the one sister sent us a Christmas card and um, not a whole lot of communication because Bree's not. If you know Bree, she's not the kind of person that like reaches out. That's just not who she is. Uh, and that whole family is fucking super outgoing except for one sibling which she hadn't met yet they all talk like a mile a minute and they debate and there's lawyers and doctors all over the place so uh and so but the the blessing is so you know Bree because all of the other siblings were there she wanted to meet the rest of them uh rightly so it's kind of a fucked up place to do it but it it is what it is right they're all together and funerals that's what they tend to be is like time to connect with other people and tell good stories so we get to hear all these great stories about when the kids were growing up and what kind of person he really was in a, you know, in a very respectful, cheery, fun way. You get to hear all of those stories. And so as we start meeting people at the end after the two plus hours of funeral. Because the funeral itself was longer than two hours. And then they had an after, like the funeral was at 11. And I think we didn't leave the, the ward house until 530. No, it was 330 when we left the ward but sure? we but the funeral didn't end until after one. Yeah. And so then we started slowly like going and saying hi to people and you know they everyone remembered Bree uh, uh including his wife and she was really happy that Bree was there. Um which I mean that's this is like it takes a super kind of person to be like oh yeah these other kids that my husband sired that aren't mine. <laughs> I like, mean at least it wasn't like a cheating. No, thing, I mean, and she know. agreed to it. She she said she had to sign the paperwork for it, but like she was super welcoming. She welcomed us into her home afterwards. But we're just saying, you know, we're saying hi to everyone. We're meeting people, and you know, we're talking with everyone. And you know, it gets to a point like we're sitting down talking to the mom and a couple of the siblings, and we look around, and it's just the siblings. It's just the immediate family left. There's no one else there. Like they had, everyone else had drifted off. It was just us. And um, they're like, yeah, Bree, come back to mom's house with us. And then we're going to go eat some barbecue at uh, Melissa. Melissa's house. And so we did. And we got to see where her dad lived. And 
Uh, this is I'm telling a story because Brie can't right now. <laughs> She's struggling. Um, but it was really That's I, really cool that you from from my perspective, uh, that was it sucks that he passed away and she didn't get to know him better. But she re- we I mean we didn't leave Utah County until after eleven. We wow. were. I didn't know if we were going to be there for a couple hours, just duck out after the funeral. Like we just kind of played it by ear based on what Bree wanted to do, and we were there past eleven. Uh, so, and that whole time was spent getting to know her siblings. That's amazing. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like, I, I'm sure. Like it's. It's. This was just like what? Oh, two weeks ago. And so, I mean, there's still a lot of processing occurring, I think, in Bree's brain. Because you guys have to understand, she grew up as an only child. Knowing the whole time about this, but, like, she's an only child. Even though she had daughters, like two of them, she still doesn't understand siblings very well. And now she has (laughs) eight. And it's weird because the other IVF baby, she's an only child, too, but she had this weird upbringing. But she's, like... She's just like them and she just wants to be like constantly around them. And so like we were sitting there talking and then the siblings were doing some more talking and it just ended up the two of us. And I wasn't enough to keep her like entertained. She, she heard them having a discussion and she was like, I need to go, go be there. And she had to like get up and go like be involved in it. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, Okay. It wasn't just any discussion either. This was like deep existential, existential, like religious belief. And like the, you could tell, because like there's this wide range of kids, right? And when you have seven kids, the oldest kid has a, a different, different parent than the youngest. Yeah. And, and you know, cause you have the oldest kid who was born while he was still in med school. Uh, and, and then the youngest kid, he's in an established practice. He's got all these other kids that are helping take care of them. You know, I, I think Barbara was a stay at home mom her whole life, which makes sense with 10 fucking kids or seven kids or how many <laughs> it is. But like, you know, part of that is the older kids help take care of the younger kids and the amount of time dad has for, you know, kids one and two when he's in school and not actively a doctor yet versus the time he has when he's running a practice and supporting a family of eight or nine, like that's a big difference. And so they, you know, there was a lot of discussion about like, Oh, our happy childhood and whether or not it was making the youngest fucked up people. And like, the, <laughs> it was like this, I mean, it's the kind of discussion you have after someone like that passes away in your life. But like the other sibling, Sunny, she was just like, bam, like right in on it. And And they they had a relationship because she went to that homecoming and they exchanged phone numbers and he would reach out to her all the time and talk to her about her faith. So there's a part of me that's kind of glad I didn't because I don't need that in my life. But um, she because she's just like them, like she thrived on it. She thought it was amazing. And they had like these discussions and stuff. But he had discussions like that with all of his kids and I guess his grandkids like went to him for advice and just everything. So, I mean, he was an amazing person. There's no doubt about that. He definitely had some flaws, you know, after listening to siblings, just like every other parent, he was definitely not a perfect parent, but the fact that he impacted that many people and that many people were willing to give three hours in the middle of their day on a Saturday for a funeral, um, was kind of cool and and the fact that you know all of his grandkids just really 
you could tell they really cared about him and loved him and that he was really involved in their lives. Um, the reason that he died uh, on one of the grandkids soccer field is literally he told this, his daughter, let me know when the next game is. And they're like, we'll jump in the car and come on down because you know, it's the, the next day tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. And they did. And the, the, the grandma and the grandpa got in their car and they drove down to St. George where they have some homes and they watched the soccer game. And that's what he died doing cheering on one of his grandkids in a semifinal soccer game. Sad, like, but very cool. Yeah. So really tough for them. Um, but I, I, uh, I thought it was really cool for sure. Hey, uh, with us this week, we have uh, rusty Monson of salt city barbecue. Uh, thanks for joining us, rusty. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry. I was late. You know, Utah traffic, you know, guys all know how that, how that is. You know, the beauty of podcasting is no one knows that unless you tell them. <laughs> we're the new we're the new California guys accept it <clears throat> it's gonna happen so uh, Rust, Rusty comes uh, did you schedule him before you no. scheduled Anthony no nope. so we had I'm trying to find what uh, what episode we had him on it wasn't that long ago was it I don't know I should have I should have brought my computer down this bug me I feel like I'm uh, 285 so it was a few months ago it was in November oh. um, so episode 285 we had uh, Anthony Lujan on uh, from the barbecue pit master and smoke ain't no joke stuff and uh, well he told us that we had to talk to you okay because um, he also said you're the best barbecue in the Salt Lake Valley it's allegedly yes <laughs> I like to tell myself that to keep me going but yeah and he says that he likes you for some reason so well that's nice of him that's so kind that's because you're a bearded man I am I'm partial to bearded men that's the thing is if you have a beard you barbecue that's the rule right you and barbecue then, it, I'm then it's like in oh, your yeah. beard it smells yeah. so good yeah yeah, I come in. I I just like it started the smoke. I smoked some wings this last weekend, and I just come in from like having like checked like, the smoke level. You as smell I good. I'm like it's just it's just fire. That's all I smell. Like. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It still smells good. I know it's great. I you, love it. You know what? Fire doesn't smell good. The neighbor's trash burning. Yeah, next that doesn't smell good. <laughs> they just burn whatever the hell they want in their fireplace, and half the time it smells like garbage. Yeah, it's. They also, probably is. They also hang their kills sometimes in the, the garage. And... Oh. That's, that's normal, though. That's I what, love that smell, though. That's what normal people do. That brings me kills. back home. Unless it's a human one, and that's weird. <laughs> but if it's like a deer, that's fun. I, I uh, love yeah, that. Yeah, I think it is. If I you can't it see it, do deer. you know the difference between human and deer? Yeah, deer has this, this smell. It's it's so hard to describe. like deer. You know what? Yeah. The, deer sucks. It's not good for anything. It's good for, like, jerky. Well, yeah, that's it. And that's, you know, that's why I got into smoking, actually, is because we used to be hunting, and that's all you could do with the deer was to smoke it and turn it into jerky, you know, and everything else was, mm, eh, you know. They're not like elk. Elk have some, like, real meat on their bones, and oh my gosh, like, elk steaks and fillets. Elk burgers are good. Round <laughs> elk, like, turn into sausage is really good. Like, elk is a really good game meat. Deer, on the other hand, it's like, well, you can... You can dry it out and smoke it and mm-hmm. put a bunch of flavor into it. And then when you're chewing like dried out like pieces of meat, it's not, it feels like other jerky. So yum. Yeah, but jerky's <laughs> good. But like, it's not like, you know, you bite into like an elk steak or like a, like even a cow steak, like there's juiciness level and like meatiness and that doesn't exist with deer. It's not a great flavor. It's really not. No. Like, you know, if you ever had, if you guys never had one, like uh, elk, elk is fantastic. Oh, it's so good. But there's this little gaminess to it, right? Take that gaminess and flip it. 
Yeah. So it's more gamey taste than it is meat taste. That's deer. That's essentially what it I've is. I've only had deer jerky from my boss, and he did a pretty good job of making the deer jerky. Oh, it's jerky. so good. Well, so, the thing, deer jerky is great, and the, the beauty of it is when you smoke it and try it out, it loses most of the gaminess, and then you can add whatever you want seasoning-wise to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. I, I miss it. I haven't had it in a long time. I need to get back to it. And, you know, my dad stopped hunting, so I did because that was my hunting buddy. But now I'm, you know, and I, I, I'm a little bit overweight now. I, I went not too long ago, and I, you have to hike up mountains and get out of cars, you know. And yeah, you can't just shoot from your truck. That's yeah. actually illegal. You get to walk and carry things. It's like <laughs> it's not my bag anymore. No, you know? Just get ATVs, dude. You don't walk that much. There we go. <laughs> I just, I, I need to get something where someone can drive me. I can't be driving myself. <laughs> I'm not some sort of peasant hunter. You know. I'm just going to throw this out there. There are reserves here in the state, like the one that Joe Rogan hunts at every mm-hmm. year, bow hunts at. Isn't he at Henry Mountains? Uh, I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he goes out. He pays a lot of money mm-hmm. to go hunt himself an elk on a reserve. Not quite the same as, like, in the open BLM lands where the elk are like, scarce and know to run the fuck away from humans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, these elk are a little bit more conditioned in the, the nice ranches. So I'm sure you could find such a thing. My uh, Yeah. My owner actually has a ranch that has tons of herd animals between deer and elk and uh, other things, uh, and they just walk right up to the cabins because they don't get shot on his property and they know it. Well, sometimes you get farmers who call you because a lot of people, you know, oh, deer, eh, you know, they're so cute in this, but they're not. They're, they they eat, eat crops. They, they destroy farms. Oh, they're and bad for farms. Yeah, so for sometimes sure. if you have inns, it's really nice because the, the, off-season, you can get a, a permit to go shoot those deer off-season to you know eradicate mm-hmm. them from eating people's alfalfa plants. You know, So yeah. it, that, that's kind of cool. We used to do that sometimes with uh, farmer friends and stuff. So Yeah, I'm, I didn't even think about all the like alfalfa crops, especially in the state of Utah. We, we grow a ton of yep. grazing, grazing crops. So. Yeah, the, the LDS Church owns one by my house, and so now we also are an alfalfa grower. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize. Jeremy used to have alfalfa behind him, but now there's just houses. So um, yep. normally Jeremy does this, but you guys have to do the go back thing that you do, and I don't know how you do that, so you somebody else has to be in charge of it. Well, it's not that hard. Jeremy can calculate in his brain. So the first so question you. we ask every guest is what month were you born in? November. So you were prepared for this. Yeah. So February. Yeah, so you're February. So that means February is when the magic was happening. Valentine's like Day. Like middle. Oh, that's math, man. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't like, do I just, that either. Just, <laughs> Jeremy and Chris do it. We are, we are February 1st. It's the, the beginning of the Lunar New Year. And um, sometime during the month of February, presumably mid-February around the 14th, your parents decided. Well, maybe. When were you born? November 11th. <gasps> yeah. No shit. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you? Is that your birthday? Yeah. Hell yeah. Veterans Day. There you go. Yeah, Veterans Day. Easier or our birthday, or, as yeah. they should say. Yes. For sure. Yes. For sure. That's crazy. That That's is fun. Too weird. That's way fun. Yeah. Yeah. My my mom was 16, so I don't like to think about that. <laughs> uh, she 100 percent was having a Valentine's Day. My mom was oh, old. Yeah, huh. and, That's like and winter it was in vitro fertilization. That is Valentine's. So. Uh-huh. Dance or Sadie Hawkins or whatever they do around Valentine. No, no, she got a box of chocolates and gave up the gave up the goat. (laughs) I gotta get to the bottom of this. I have to give her a call. Yeah, mine was in vitro, so there was no romance happening. My mom was like twenty six. So, oh, okay, 
It's yeah. responsible. Yeah. You know? Okay. I can't have her naturally, so let's let's have someone else's sperm shut up in it. <laughs> They're saying that might work. Because it was like super experimental in the seventies still. Like Yeah, I'm old. In fact it was a research project that her dad, her biological dad donated to. So Yeah, he was a doctor. So what year were you born? Never mind. Seventy five. Seventy seven. Oh, see. He's so that, I was about to say that would have been trippy. That would have been weird. Yeah. But born on the I same did, day. I actually did go to school with a kid who was born on the same day in the same year. Leonardo was. DiCaprio was born on November 11th. I so, did, yeah. actually. I yeah. found that out the other day mm-hmm. when I was looking at pages. Yep. So that's what we have in common if I ever meet him. And it's going to get uncomfortable because <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> so, I finally watched Titanic. I hadn't watched that my whole life. Yeah, until but like it was a while ago that you the watched last few it. Months. Yeah, but then this year, well, in the Not 2021. Did, I haven't did, seen we, that. did we ruin it for you and tell you it sinks before the movie started? No, it's stupid. The movie's well, not good. Cassidy, <laughs> it used to be my my oldest daughter's favorite movie. So I'm like, you've you've probably seen the whole thing, just never in order and not all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. it's not. It's not. I don't understand the hype. It wasn't that good. When I first watched it, I was like, yeah, I'm glad I watched it in the theater. That was fun. And that's it. And that's all I needed. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's okay. It's not the worst movie. It's not. It's not the second Dragonheart oh movie. He made me watch that. Dragonheart. Yeah, do you remember Dragonheart <laughs> from like 1996? No. Sean Connery oh. voices a dragon that's like the worst animatronic puppetry yes. crap ever. Like the beginnings of CGI. Well, they made a second one apparently in 1999. I'd never heard of it. It's and so I love. I know how bad, bad the movie is, Dragonheart, oh. but I loved it. The second one is even more cheesy. They have moments where they throw. Basically, what's the equivalent of a styrofoam block at a wall, and then suddenly it does a <laughs> cut, and there's like a sliver in the wall, but the sliver is just, a, it looks like a piece of wood painted white. It was clearly not but the same texture that was thrown. But it's supposed to be ice, but it's solid. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, man. And then, turns out, so this weekend, I, I found this amazing five-disc collection of Dragonheart movies. There are five of them. He keeps trying to get me to watch the other three. I've got three more to finish. They're going to make a six coverage of you. You need to stop. Well, so like 1999 and then nothing until 2015. So he's like convinced it's going to be better. It's got to be better. The last three were made in the last like five years. So I don't think that's a thing. Well, then we turned it off and the Twilight movies were on. And I'm like, you think that 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 is going to be better when this is what they did for CGI and Twilight? Like, no, it's not going to happen. And see, I love those kind of shows because I'm a huge nerd. Like, I play D&D on Sundays, every Sunday. He plays D&D on Thursdays. Hardcore. Tolkien tattoos. You okay. Know. Before the a, movies, by the way. I have a mat upstairs. We just haven't put it outside yet. That ha- That's like... It's, it's, it's like roll to... Roll to enter the Yeah. House. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> I, got t- I just started watching this. One of my D&D buddies turned me on to it the other day. Um, Amazon just released it. It's called Vox uh, Machina. Mm-hmm. You've been watching oh, yeah. it. Oh my I God. haven't seen it. It just came out what two days ago. Yeah, there's only three episodes released right yeah, now. Yeah, it's the Critical Role stuff. I haven't. I, so I know good. the story, but I haven't seen the show yet. It's so good. I want to watch it. It's like it's everything that's amazing about D and D. It's like all the character stereotypes that like and how the like players would play them, but it's all done in like a uh, like a He Man anime style. Like it's so good. <laughs> I have to watch it. He also plays magic. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Arena. Every day. Every morning when I wake up. He plays on the computer and then we have friends that get together about once a month, once every couple of months and do like their own little tournament thing and then they go to like when the new cards come out thing. Pre-releases. Yeah. If we can do the the drafts. You know what's funny? I was was looking at um, YouTube and I was like, I was going to watch some videos on some magic and um, oh gosh, I always forget his name. Um, The rapper that lives here. 
Oh, uh, uh, Post Malone. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. That was shocking. I got Post, Post Malone. Right, Post yeah. Malone. And, and so he's on there. I'm all cute. Post Malone. And that dude knows what's up. Like, he goes on those videos and he's just like, he plays Commander. He's like, oh, I play this card and this card and this card oh, and this yeah, card. And he knows good. all of it. I'm like, that guy really plays Madden. It's, it's, uh, there's also a, uh, there's an NFL player that plays for the Seahawks. I can't remember which one, uh, but he plays with those guys too a lot. Really? You know, it's funny. And then D&D, right? You think it's nerdy. But uh, that it's guy, hilarious. the guy who, what's his name? Joe Mosh, Mesh, I can't remember pronounce his last name from True Blood. He was the oh, werewolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has a game with Vince Vaughn, the the guitarist of Rage Against the Machine. You name it, they're there. Like, you think these, like, uh, Vin, Vin Diesel goes to this one? I mean, these, these guys play D&D all the time. Yeah, he's uh, it's John, quite popular. Uh, Manganello, Manganello, or whatever his name yeah. is. He does like a whole like video vodcast with those guys doing the Dungeons and Dragons, right? Um, he does sometimes, and you know, of course, there's uh, Matthew Lillard and all those guys, and they do all that stuff. I mean, it's quite it's quite popular right now. It's it's pretty cool, man. When we played when I was a kid, I, I grew up in Utah. I grew up in Lehigh, and it was like this satanic panic is on the ass end of it. Oh yeah, like <laughs> and so parents hated it. And I grew up in Utah County, you know, where it was like the mecca. You know, and we had to sneak because we couldn't play D and D because it was devil worship, which is like it's still to me like that is the craziest like thing that people don't grasp about D and D. Not only is it not devil worship, but it's the use of imagination and it's storytelling in a in a cohesive way, and your kids aren't doing shitty stuff. They're like doing wholesome so, shit in your basement, like. I don't know. I've we never did, understood the devil thing. We did so much more outside of D and I mean, the worst that we're gonna do is overdose on Funyuns, you know? Yeah, like Mountain Dew and Funyuns, you know? Like we got a forty-eight binger, dude. We need some Funyuns, more Funyuns. <laughs> in my in my COVID stupor last week, I watched a, a thing about the eighties, and it did this whole big thing about Dungeons and Dragons and all of the really bad news press and these kids are satanic and, and just all of this stuff and. It got so much bad press in the '80s, but none of it was merited at all. No, none of Especially it was based almost, in reality. It almost never is on, on any any of this kind of stuff, like music. When they say that that's like bad, or it, it's almost never actually based in any kind of fact. <laughs> it's some random thing that somehow manages to take root and and just grow and grow and grow until nobody even knows where it where it started. I mean, the thing is, in the '80s and even in the '90s. We didn't have the internet the way we have it today where people could actually like just go find the answer. What we had was whatever people told them in the news and they just believed it because that's what you were supposed to trust the news. So when they said, Ah, this person playing Dungeons and Dragons ate the face off of his parents and blah blah blah, you're like, Oh, that's gotta be true because they wouldn't lie to me and I don't have any way to fact check that. Like there's absolutely no way for me to actually know that the guy in Florida that did that was actually, you know, Smart so yeah. check this out. This is a true story. It's happened to my brother, and he, his friends in high school, uh, the, the principal had found out they're playing D and D, and he wanted to chat with them about it and help them. So, and I love this principal, by the way, I really do. He was a, he was actually a cool dude. Uh, he recently passed, but he was a really guy. But I will say the story. He wanted to get them together and tell them that. They shouldn't play D and D because he saw his grandson playing D and D and was possessed by a demon and tried to stab his oh whatever. God. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's like that, that's literally like saying, "Listen, guys, I want to talk to you. You guys been playing Monopoly? One time, <laughs> someone was possessed 
by a capitalist and tried to tank out all their money from their bank, you should never play that. <laughs> like that's the equivalent. It's so it's you're, so dumb. You're playing Axes and Allies, and someone dropped a nuke. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like all right, cool. I mean, do you really well, have ever played it? Was, so simple. <laughs> then it was these kids played it for seven days straight and died. Because yeah. they didn't eat or sleep. It's like, what? Well, that's such a that lie. Was, that's that was all one people dude who are playing D&D do, is mm-hmm. play D&D and eat. That's what the people playing World of Warcraft in the early days did. That's what I did. There were a couple stories of that where parents like neglected their kids just so they could play that stupid game. But again, that's like, when you have... I think at the time, World of Warcraft was in the like 10 million plus subscribers, which is absurd. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of bad apples in that 10 yeah. million. Like, <laughs> that's the worst that happened, really? But like, the video games, I think, are are slightly different in the fact that a lot of times you were just there alone and you like you got lost in that world. Whereas, with the, like, you're in the room with actual people. Like, you're not going to forget to to eat or go to the bathroom or no, that's and your kids can like yeah. bug you. I suppose I don't know. I mean obesity. You I gotta look that. at people. If, <laughs> if someone's like, listen, like the, you can't play D and D. You're gonna get you're really high, fat. You're gonna get I'm like, okay, I'm with you on that. From the, Put my face on that <laughs> box. Gummy worm bag. The giant gummy worm yeah. bag. In our <laughs> in our middle age now, because like we we play downstairs in my friend's house uh, when we're or out in here. our kitchen. Yeah. And uh, he's got like a weight bench and a treadmill and like an so elliptical. <laughs> and oh, like, really? We're down there playing. And, you know, because like when you're in a group of five or six, like there are lulls in, in times where you're being interacted with. But like we're just we're the only ones there. And so like I'll just I'll just be lifting on the bench or like on the elliptical, like yelling across the room, like whatever my character's doing. Right, That's fine. Go. It's fine. Or if you have to roll death saves, you're dead. You're like, ah, just roll my death save for me. I'm going to pump some iron. Yeah, that's a sore subject for me. (laughs) Yeah, he just died recently. I I did too. My my brother turned me into a damn, like, lich's slave. Yeah, they were going to, uh, they were going to reincarnate me, but uh, decided that they didn't want me coming back as, like, an old. Maybe you should rethink all of your, you know, your your whole entire approach there next time. Maybe (laughs) they didn't like you as much as you thought. I I've been killed in the last two games, so that's probably uh, that's probably it's probably an indicator you're making really <laughs> bad characters. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. How do I kill this dude? <laughs> so so you uh, you grew up in Utah. You spent your whole life here. Yeah, I'm a ninth generation Utah, like a hundred times over. My grandma on my mom's side is Texan, and that's it. Everyone else came over here. The pioneers. I'm hardcore Utah. I tried to leave the place. I came back. I love this place. It's my my grandpa favorite. was born in Marfa, Texas. Oh, cool. Hey, we're from Lubbock. Hey, that's where I was born. Yep. Lubbock? Lubbock, yeah. And it's your... Wow, what's and I got up? a ton of family in Lubbock still, too. Yeah, well, then they moved to Amarillo, and they spent a lot of time there, and they split between them. Now they live in Pearland. Yeah. Most of my family that's still there is in El Paso. Amarillo and nice. Lubbock, like, they hate each other, but they're the same fucking town. They're just an hour of difference. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But they hate each other. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, those people in Lubbock are morons. Yeah, they, it was... I've never... I've been down to Lubbock. I've never been to the Amarillo house, but... um. We like I said, they moved to Pearland. So, but yeah, I mean, I I was born in Lehigh, like Lehigh, Utah. Born and raised. I was a weird kid in in so Lehigh were, High School. So you went to the roller mills and dance footloose all the time. Hell yeah! <laughs> Jumped over the thing like you're here when it's five to one. Well, pop! And I'm like jumping over, kicking people in the face for no reason. You know, and like what are you doing? Everyone in Utah knows about footloose and Lehigh roller mills. <laughs> But they don't understand that Footloose is a real damn thing from another religion. Well, no, I know yeah. it's a real thing. It's just funny because, I don't know, that's just what I think of. It's, I, don't I like it because it's a every reference. Time. Like when I see, see people, every around, time like, I, well, I grew up in this. Have you seen Footloose? And like, yeah, that's, that's the town that's where I, I, grew I grew up, up. in. Yeah. Every time I hear Footloose, I think of uh, 
Or what, what movie Bacon? is it? The... No, the oh, where he's like, this is still the greatest movie ever. And everybody's like, no, it never was. Oh, yeah. I, I like it. It's not good. I'm sorry. You guys try and dance like that in a warehouse. Go ahead. See That's what right. happens. You try and be Kevin Bacon. I, yeah. Look, like I, how cool Kevin Bacon is now. It's all because of Footloose. Let me tell you, I danced in a lot of warehouses when I was younger. Oh, oh, <laughs> Chris is a Chris is a raver. Oh, you were? Oh, I'm a reformed raver. I don't do. I went to those anymore. back in the day. Yeah. I can't. He used to bounce Look, them. I don't do that shit anymore because oh, really? I can't. So did you? So hold on now. Let's. Do you, are you from Utah too, like Salt Lake? No, he uh, was born in born Lubbock, in Texas, and then he grew up in Green River. Grew up in Wyoming. Yeah. Okay, so then but you wouldn't know here. the raving scene here. Oh, no, no, I do, because that's where I raved. I, I came here in 99. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. Guardians of the Galaxy, when he thinks Footloose <laughs> is the best movie ever. Oh, no. Is that oh, well, that's I'm because, a little bit behind. That's because that's his, he didn't know any other movies. And his, and his mom gave him the tape of all of the 80s music that she loved. That was like 60s yeah. music and 70s well, music. Well, that's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yep. Best mix. Yeah, we used to go to. <clears throat> yeah, when you go to raves here, you set there's a little um, record shop in Salt Lake. Yeah, you have to call there 24 hours to get the ticket. Mechanized and mechanized. Yep, yep. So my friend used to put them on. Greg Henry. He he put some on. He was Wingnut Productions back in the day. Okay. Nice to go help him at those those things, and they were fun. They were fun. Wasn't my scene. I was I was more of a punk rock kid, but it was fun. Yeah, definitely not the place for a punk rock kid. No. That's not My so. daughter raved for a while. I think with COVID and now she moved out of the state, I don't think she does it anymore. But yeah, Chris had to give her some lessons about what not to post on her social media. <laughs> right. Now people know what that is. What? There's nothing. I'm like, look, this represents this. This is because you were doing this. She's like, How the fuck did you know all that? I'm like, because I did it. Like, <laughs> well, is, it, is it the same now? Because back when we were doing it, it was highly illegal. So here's the thing. It is the same, uh, except for they're all permitted now. Um, they're mostly in clubs. They don't always go all night. The ones at Saltair tend to. Uh, there's usually open bars, well, cash bars, oh. uh, because they usually do them in clubs that have liquor licenses. And there's a lot less clothing than when we were doing them. Like, yeah. Like I've seen. We had an abundance like, of clothing. <laughs> I'm like, there. It's fucking December, and she's wearing a bikini with a uh, with mesh tights and with like a fishnet skirt. Yeah, I don't know. Open bar, huh? That's fun. Yeah. Good for you guys. <laughs> yeah. How my, fun is that? My favorite thing when I, you know, when I when I did raves, when I worked security at raves, especially in the summer, they're all outdoor parties out in like a lot of them in what is now Eagle Mountain, mm-hmm. <laughs> the old tire dump out there, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, no alcohol allowed. So we confiscate everything at the outdoor parties, and they people try to bring in a lot, and we just. You know, we'd set it off to the side so you can grab it when you come back out when you leave for the night. And that way you don't. No one ever came back to get their booze. So I like my alcoholism as a young adult was fueled <laughs> by the stuff I confiscated at parties that people never picked up. Like I would remember like packing our shit up at like 5 a.m. because we're done with, you know, working security and we're leaving. And I got a trunk full of liquor I didn't pay for. And 90% of it was peach schnapps, to be honest. <laughs> oh, no, it was a lot of, was a lot of beer, honestly. It was a lot of okay. beer. <laughs> Hey, there's nothing wrong we with that. Kids. When do we want a fuzzy navel? Yeah, I mean, if you're into fuzzy navels, absolutely. I like fuzzy navels. Well, if you were to confiscate liquor back in the early 90s, you would <laughs> have an of abundance shops. of fuzzy navels. Yeah. 
There was no have social that. media. There was no internet. So there was no record of any of it. Well, there was mm-hmm. internet. I mean, like we have, it's funny. There's a Facebook group now that it was, I was a member of utrave.org, which was the Utah rave, like underground forum. And then it became really popular. And then there were a lot of cops on it, but that was like, where we did all kinds of planning for parties and house parties. We had house parties that were way more fun than any of the raids that we went to. But no kegs. Yeah, we, we did it. It was like 91, 92. So it was before. All oh, that was before all that even. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like when I started, like all of the, all the stuff was still very underground. Like there was a Puerto Rican restaurant, not Puerto, Puerto Rican, Peruvian restaurant uh, downtown uh, right on Main Street. Very different, by the way, people. Uh, and uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, the food is very different. Peruvian food, it's all it's all like steak on top of a bed of fries with like some kind of salsa on it. Oh, like that's mostly what Peruvian. They had a lot of potatoes from the mountains and the, the Andes down there, and then a lot of beef. And so it's all steak and potatoes. So if you like that, Peruvian food's not a bad route, by the way. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it was in the bottom of this restaurant, and the basement was disgusting. Like the walls would get like, you know, and you're in a hot place and the walls are like the rough wall and it would be all like slimy and gross. No, I like, don't know that. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And then like, we, I mean, literally warehouse parties, like you would go find, there would be a random warehouse that like if the cops showed up, you ran because these were illegal parties. Mm-hmm. Like these weren't permitted. No one knew about them. So, so the ones we did were never permitted. That was, yeah, the, that was they, the thing. Cause they like, wouldn't, they wouldn't give you a permit. We, back it then. was 50, 50, you know, it was like you you went and you succeeded in the rave and you lasted all night or it was 11 o'clock and we're or not even that it was 11. We were in there at 11, but like 2 a.m. and you're out and it was run time. And, you know, we I didn't. I had some sort of fashion sense back then. But you remember those Jinkos or whatever they're called? Oh, yeah. No, those were still I think they're still <laughs> with the big old pants and stuff like that. My friends were running out looking like clowns. Yeah. You know, with their <laughs> what is it? What is the deal? Um, my mind's um, I'm lost today. But they, we'd have the um, Vicks Vapor Rub in the oh yeah yeah on the masks on we, the masks. We, so. we wore masks back before they were part of requirements to do anything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. So, uh, so you went to raves when you were a kid. How did you get into barbecue? Well, I grew up um, in Lehigh, like we mentioned, and you know it's not the most prosperous. It is now. It's very prosperous. Did you? Were you of the the Utah faith, or did you no. just happen to be in Utah County? You know what's funny? Me either. I was maybe one of five families in Lehigh at the time that wasn't. My dad and my mom were not weren't religious. My mom eventually got back into it, but now not when I was growing up. So we were not religious growing up, and you know we hunted. My dad was a bricklayer, and so him and his his dad, and my grandfather, to make money would smoke chicken and different stuff like that, and they make money. And I would help, and I loved it. Oh, my gosh. We'd smoke oysters. We'd just name it. Yeah. And we'd just smoke food. And then um, I moved out real early because, hell, man, you want to get out of Lehigh as soon as you can. So I wasn't able to really do a lot. I moved to New Orleans. I did different things, you know, and I was trying to, I don't know. You live in those apartments where you can't smoke any food. Yeah, because you don't have a place to So smoke. I went away from it for a long time. And I would do stuff here and there, you know, just on, a, on casually and then I was, I grew up in the restaurant business. Like I was, I used to manage restaurants and I like Texas Roadhouse and stuff like that. And then my wife was able to make enough money where I didn't have to do that anymore. So he, and so she did that. So she asked me, the, what, what do you want to do? And I was driving, I was driving down the road one time and they had a barbecue competition. And I was like, oh, what is that? And I was like checking it out and 
So I'm like, this is cool. I want to do that one day. That how these guys are smoking food in a competition. I used to be competitive. I used to love to play football and stuff like that. I'm a very competitive person. So how how cool is that for me? You know, to like compete in something that I don't have to break my bone over. So um, first thing I did when I was you know out of the restaurant business, I could focus on something of my own. Was I did barbecue competitions. So I just got gave it a shot, and we did really well. And I went out to Kansas City and took classes. And I'm kind of this person who, if I get into something, it's like I get into something. So in Kansas City, went out to Arizona, took some classes, and came back. And we started doing really well out the gate. So we're winning competitions, you know. And so I was like, oh, this is so much fun. So we competed, competed, competed. And then all of a sudden, just like in Godfather 3, you know, you think you're out of the restaurant business. And they're like, nah, no. And just edged, edged, eat in my head. Because staying home, being a stay-at-home dad like I was. That's fun, you know, it, it is. But when you do it, it's not so great. So I have three girls, and all the, at the time, it was like four, two, and one, oh, or less great. than that. That's a great time. And my wife was working, I'm with these kids, and I'm just like, oh, my God, yeah. And so she was able to stay at home, and I was like, I think I need, should give this a shot because I've always wanted to own my own restaurant, and it's been my dream. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a shot at this. And I had the barbecue trailer, you know, from competitions. We just converted it into a food truck and here we are so rocking and rolling with that that's that's the whole story of barbecue so do you have like ambitions of of taking that food truck and and becoming a brick and mortar at some yeah, point 100 percent. because that's what i grew up in that's that's what i like that's what i know and love it's and then you think you know oh yeah you worked in the restaurant business this food truck thing is so easy for you and it's a completely different ball game oh it is so I want to get back into that, and I want to have my own brick and mortar in place. You know, I have this dream one day of the thing just running itself, and I just the guy in the corner, you know, that old guy, like, oh yeah, that's Rusty. He started this place, and all I do is sit at table one, you know, and read my newspaper, have some coffee, some ribs. How old are your kids now? Um, so I got seven, almost eight. Oh my gosh, five and three. So still really little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids are all old. Are they? I wish they were. Yeah, I love my old kids. I mean, they were fun and, you know, all of that, all of the mom things you're supposed to say, but I love my old kids. I have a 24-year-old and a 21-year-old. All the mom things you're supposed to say. (laughs) But the thing is, is that you just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a young Sprite anymore, you know? Like, I'm not. We had some friends that just had a kid and she was 38. Yeah. And she when she had her very first kid. Mm -hmm. So she's now 40. She's in the same boat. Chasing this kid around just and she's like, I'm exhausted. And I always have to remind myself because I'm like, I don't remember being that tired. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I was 21. Yeah. Boundless energy. Not yeah. much and I was longer. like, okay. So let me tell you, you got the girls you're, and you're at almost eight. So you got about. Oh, yeah. You're not to the. You got about. Oh, I would say two to four years of sweetness Before left. they're gross. As mm-hmm. soon as they hit tween. <laughs> and Jeremy can testify. He has three girls and one boy. And we just have yep. the two girls. As soon as they girls hit tween, disgusting. They stop being They're cute. So gross. They're dirty, 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 <laughs> dirty, filthy things. Like they don't wash their clothes. Let, I mean, let like me they don't wash you, anything. Let like, me give you an example. Uh, my girls, we have they grow out of it upstairs. I, I sure hope so, but I don't Sean think that's true. Yet. So my girls upstairs in the bathroom. This was their bathroom. We have the toilet right next to the toilet. It's a garbage can. Right next to the garbage can is the vanity that has the drawers where feminine hygiene products are kept, right? So this is a regular occurrence. The drawers are left open. 
which is fine. I don't care. That doesn't bother me too much. Boxes of, of feminine annoying. hygiene products. It does because I run into them. Uh, boxes of feminine hygiene products. So in the process, if, if you don't know how it works, basically you unwrap. There's a wrapper. That should go in the garbage. Then there's this applicator. That should also go in the garbage once you're done applying. Um, and, you know, things go in and then you throw stuff away. And nothing ever made it into the trash can. <laughs> they would go past the trash can and put the wrapper like in the Literally, drawer. Trash can here. They go back to the drawer. Where and they then they would the like wrapper. not realize that 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 they were almost out because it would be full of like wrappers. wrappers. And then we'd get the inevitable. I need you to pick something up on the way home. And we're all going, and you put it on the list. Well, I didn't know it was almost out. Well, why didn't you? Because the box is full of wrappers. So that's one small example I of mean, the and that, that That's just, that's just, oh, my that, oldest that's daughter, such a clean version of it. My <laughs> oldest daughter, we went to move her back her freshman year from school. So we go down to the dorms at Southern Utah University, and we get there in the First morning. First of all, she's not even in there. She's not in her room. She's in a boy's room across the hall. Which is fine. Whatever. I mean, that happens. That's part of She's 18. Mm-hmm. They're kids, right? So, but when she lets us finally answers the door and lets us into her dorm room so we can help, like, start moving her stuff, we get into her room, and I shit you not, a foot deep of clothing across the it entire floor. It wasn't a floor. foot deep, but basically, you could see what no she carpet. told me was <laughs> she had her stuff in her hamper, but then she needed to find something, and so she just threw it on the floor. She hadn't packed. She hadn't done anything. Like, that was just... And our youngest, that's how she lives every day. Like she just, everything is in a pile on the floor and she just picks stuff out and like she'll be here. She'll come over and she lives in Salt Lake, but she'll come over and like stay the night or she'll come watch the dogs. She'll just be like, yeah, I I want to come hang out and stay the night for a night. And like in a day, the entire bedroom is destroyed. Somehow. I don't, I don't know how she does it. It's, she brings one small backpack of things. So I don't want to scare you. Like, I don't want you to be like, oh, I have to go get some milk in a couple of years and never come back to your girls. <laughs> that's, that's been a but thing it's, already. It's coming. It's coming. All well, right. My sister has teenagers now. And so I'm going through that with her. And it's, it's terrifying. It's like knowing when you're going to die. You know, it's like, <laughs> like I can see it all happening in front of me and going, oh my God, that's going to be me with three. Well, I, and people always wonder, like, why dads treat daughters differently than sons. And I'll tell you why. It's not because we think... It's because you're scared of them. It's, <laughs> no, no, no. It's because we were young adolescent males at one point, and we know exactly what the fuck is going through every one of their minds. And mm-hmm. we're like, we don't want that to happen to our daughter. Yeah. Because 100%. they haven't necessarily learned the social controls of you you can't say those things out loud. <laughs> like, keep those in your head. Like, yeah. don't think of people like that. They haven't learned how to control their emotions and their hormones. And yeah, but girls are scary. Girls yeah. are just, they're terrifying. They're disgusting. I yeah. was one, and and it, it, I think they're okay on their own. Like, I, I don't remember, like, being like that or, like, I could ask my mom. But, I like, I used to clean in the summer when I was off. But I think when you get more, like, that somehow they're just, like, I don't know. Well, back in back in our day, you'd be killed. If you didn't, you True. know, like maybe, maybe they were, maybe they were hardcore. Happen. Like, you know, now you can't do anything, you know, it's just like you just, Oh, that's, oh no. That's... I used to bop my kids on the head. Yeah. So the always get, dude, I gotta... I'd be in the store and I'd be like, you know, what's funny though. I will say this though about women and it's about women in general. So I get, I get it. I used to be a bouncer at a club. Yeah. Right. Sky bar or something. Yeah. Like. And the men's restroom is a little dirty. No, yeah. women. It was a disaster. I mean, I was so surprised. I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah, like by the that? end of the by the end of the night in the guys' bathroom, there's pee everywhere. 
yeah. to be clear, because you drunk guys don't even try to aim anymore. <laughs> they just like piss on everything. Freaking sober guys don't. Yeah. But like, so like the floors and the walls need to be scrubbed, but you could do that with a mop. Like, psh, it's mm-hmm. done. Girls, on the other hand, the They're toilets so are clogged. Gross. It's disgusting. There's like shit overflowing. Yeah. There's product you know everywhere. You know what they do that's weird is they put toilet paper in the garbage cans. Yeah. Or wherever they want it. Like you said, like they just wherever they put it. Yep. We put it in the toilet and flush it down. So I don't know what the hell's on that toilet. I don't know what's on that toilet paper. It's just there. It could be anything. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. So I'm with you, man. I, I mean, it's it's scary, you know, and I'm I have the excuse of being older. My wife's much younger than I am. So I just, you know, I, I can, oh, my back, you know, hurts. And I got to go stay in the hospital for four or five months. <laughs> you know, I guess fake injury. It's going to be a few years with three of them. I know. I'm so scared. So Hopefully I'll be dead by then. You need I'll to be, take up smoking so you can go out for the proverbial. I'll be like 85 when they graduate high school. I don't even know. So. When, when Brandy and Mark had their baby, I was like, you do know that I'm going to be 60 when your son when is you're graduating high school. 60. Wow. Yeah, they're going to be close to that. So, what will I be? I'm 44. 10 years from now, she'll be 17. She'll be 54. 54. Which isn't bad. bad. That's not bad. But what about the youngest? 60. You got to do the math. I'll be about 60 then, which is how old Ralph Macchio is. So, but, it's okay. But, but what's funny is, uh, if born Brandy, I'm like, <laughs> will be when you then. show up for, for school functions, be prepared for the, is this your grandma? Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> Oh man, you're but messed up. Ralph Macchio still looks very, <laughs> he he's a very really young, yeah. put in his 60 years old. There's hope for us all. Yeah. It's because yeah. of those karate kid movies, man. It's because he's skinny. Discipline. He's also Italian, that helps. <laughs> very yeah. fair complexion. That guy. Uh, I'm Spanish, so. So. <laughs> I know I am, but like it's European. So. Same thing. Same thing. You look 29. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she looks like her daughter. And a whole bunch of siblings she didn't know she had. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you've got the food truck. Um, you know, how often are you doing stuff? Are you a, a daily truck with lunch spots and dinner spots? You doing it a couple times a week? I mean, this is your slow season, I'm sure, because it's winter and no one fucking goes outside. But so when we started it in June, I wanted to take it real easy. And I didn't want to go and crush myself because it's really just me and my friends who do the competition stuff. I haven't really hired a staff yet. So I want everything to be really, really good. And I, I'm having a hard time, you know, relinquishing that power to someone. So I have to take it all on myself. So I was like, I'm going to take it super easy. And then we got an email from USANA and said, hey, you want to come do a food truck event? And we're like, cool. And it was the worst day of my whole life. But we pulled it off and they wanted us to come back and do these USANA events. And we started getting all these calls. And my fear was, well, I'm going to start this food truck and I'm going to have to like spend most of my time trying to find gigs. And that's not the case. Like Utah loves their food trucks and they want us everywhere yeah, all the time. Do. Yeah, we do. I saw that you had uh, on your site some food truck league nights and stuff. that you Yeah, do we well. do that. And that's kind of what I just do now. I just allow them to like schedule us and we do lunches right now. But March is filling up hardcore. So I would say this year, March is going to be like really from March on. It's going to be pretty crazy. And I think we're going to wrap it up. So it'll be more of a, I wouldn't say daily, but far more often a week. We do maybe one, maybe two a week now. So on your on your truck, do you just do one or two barbecue items? It's not like walking into a regular barbecue joint where you have, you know, pork shoulder and ribs and brisket and chicken and sausages. Or do you do all of that stuff? Do all of it. All of it. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So we wanted to do just the regular stuff, you know, just the normal meats, but. 
one time we did nachos. I'm like, oh, let's do that. And we're just throwing them together. And we ate them. I'm like, oh, my God. These are, I mean, I'm not here. I don't brag about my food. I don't. But these nachos are stupid outstanding. When he makes pulled pork, if there's pulled pork left from whatever he's making, we always make nachos mm-hmm. out of it. Always. Yeah. And we use a white queso. And we use the barbecue sauce, and we make our homemade beans and put it in there. We use coleslaw and put it in there, and we just put all this food in. And we we get messaged all the time, like, "Come out, we need your nachos." You know, it's like I started this crazy fan club of these nachos, so we kind of got stuck with these nachos. And then we're doing the sandwiches and stuff like that. But yeah, we just do normal stuff and just the sides and everything's from scratch. I make my own rubs, and we're getting them produced now so I can sell them. Oh, what's up? That's all right. I'm a hand mover. If you guys, the the, the listening people, yeah, I'm a hand mover. I, you're you're like me. I've noticed you've been playing with stuff. I oh, play with. I fidget all the time, so I feel you. I used to be an ice eater. I don't do that anymore. Thank God. That's but, not good for a podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the worst. It's actually a sign of anemia if you like to chew on it. Is it really? Interesting. Well, I'm glad I'm over that then. Yeah, I done cured myself. <laughs> um, but. You know, um, I want to open the restaurant part so I can do much more. I want to get creative. I went to culinary school. And so I want to be able to take that experience and kind of blend it into the barbecue. And we do. We know we do our sides. Everything, like I said, is it's a little different. It's it's really fun. But I want to be able to have sauces, rubs that I can sell and, you know, um, do more in a restaurant. And in the food truck, it's a little hard to do that. In fact, I think we're taking on a little bit too much. I'd like to back it off a little bit. But, you know, we're, we do things fast. We're selling within a minute every single time. So that, I'm not worried about it. I mean, that's like I, I'm surprised there aren't more barbecue food trucks out there because one of the beauties of, of barbecue is it holds really well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like like I'll do a brisket and, you know, or not a brisket because I suck at those still, but I'll do like a pork shoulder. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a couple pork shoulders and, you know, I'll do them in the middle of winter and sometimes they take six hours longer than they do other times. And so sometimes they're done at noon and sometimes they're done at four and they're just done when they're done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, once they're done, you can just throw them in a cooler mm-hmm. and they keep, and they keep it at a, at a decent temperature for hours. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that is really easy to do on a food truck where you can, you know, you get your stuff smoked and ready to go and it's just there and mm-hmm. it's just putting the stuff together. You don't have to, flash cook anything well that's the beauty is that most people who do food trucks their prep comes and their cooking comes first they they put they prep and cook and then they serve we cook way before that so all we're doing is serving so when you get to us we're not cooking nothing you're just plating we're literally just taking it out putting it in there and serving it to you so it's much faster and then it's still fresh you know and, yeah and brisket we hold for a long time yeah brisket brisket and pork shoulder will hold like Overnight. all damn day yeah they'll hold forever we do it the day before we'll hold it in an alto sham at 145 degrees all night long until it's ready to go and it's better a lot of the the secret of brisket's holding the brisket just you know unless you go hot and fast you want to cut it right then it's either cut it right then or it holds for four plus hours. So everything redistributes. Yep. Ugh, and so, so <clears throat> when we go overnight, it's just, you know, it's super tender. It's really nice and flexible. Same with the pork butt, man. Oh, I love, I love like the pork butt. The first thing you open it up and that smell and it's all juicy and stuff, man. That's the best. Like looking at the crust is always do you, fun. Do you mm-hmm. inject your pork? For competition, of course, but no. Not for the, the truck. No, but, you know, a lot of people like, I get flack for this sometimes. But I'll add things to the pork. So, for example, we do ribs, right? We'll wrap them in honey with butter and some sugar. And I'll take that juice and I'll strain it into a fat separator and I'll pour that over the pork. So, And then I'll put more seasoning that I put on it and I'll mix it all up. 
So it gives us this really good flavor because we do something. Everyone's like, ah, Texas style this time. I'm like, dude, just make good barbecue. Who cares? And I came up in the barbecue world in you know, a very um, like rudimentary way. But going into competition, you learn the fancy stuff. I like to call it like Frankenstein food because it's, it's, there's so much into it. Like I do one rib. I'm using four rubs, five sauces, 10 injections. I'm, I mean, that's pretty exaggeratory. To, to do a rib. <laughs> just to do a rib. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. There's three different rubs we put in the injections along, along with maple syrup and different stuff like that. And then we're doing three rubs and we're doing different in, like concoctions of maple like, syrup. And, and no one serves stuff. that shit in a restaurant because that's way too much. You... And, and it's good for the first few bites. And it's like, wow, okay, that's enough. I'm good. So I wanted to incorporate that old school barbecue with the competition barbecue. So a lot of stuff that we do is very competition based. I took the techniques and we made it into our barbecue, which is a little different. So it's not Texas. It's not this. It's not that. It's just however we did it. It's yeah, it's, it's just good, man. You know, it's not even really Salt Lake. It's just, it's whatever, whatever I like and whatever I want to do and whatever I feel like is the best flavor that we can extract from that. And if that means putting stuff back into the pulled pork, fine. You know, a lot of people are like, hmm, well, the pulled pork, if you're good at it, you know, you shouldn't have to do that. Oh, he puts his <laughs> I inject my pork every time. But well, you, yeah, it's, it's every great. Every fucking time I do it. Because it takes an extra 10 minutes yeah. in, a, in a thing that's going to cook for 12 hours, and it yeah. tastes so much better. Mm-hmm. And then put that rub that you put on there, yep. put it in there, and then pull it with the rub inside of it. You know, yep. who cares? And sometimes I the, sprinkle fucking rub on top of it after I pull it. But the bark should be flavorful enough that you should be able to. Like, okay, but when I serve it, like people are getting a little bit of bark. There is nothing worse. Man, I grew up. I was the biggest music hipster you'll ever want to know. I was that guy. Oh, I had the Tool shirt before anyone listened to him. <laughs> oh, they were so good until they sold out and started playing arenas. And I got my ass kicked. I Karma came back to me in the form of barbecue. Because now everywhere I go, it's the worst kind of hipsters. Barbecue has the worst hipsters out of anything. They are like the worst. I mean, like, oh, yeah, well, did you kill the cow yourself and dig a 10-foot hole and <laughs> take a mesquite tree and burn it for 12 days? I'm like, God, no, I didn't do it. Sorry. You're like, no, man, I put some fucking wood chips in And you're not a pit master. Go home. Drinking their quadruple IPA garbage. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it's, it's hard because when you tell people how you do stuff, they're just like, Meh. and it's just, I'm like, I don't care, man. It's good, man. If it's good food, like I always tell everyone, like, oh, I do it this way. And like, cool, great. That sounds great. And, you know, I don't, great. That like, I got great. a fucking Traeger I cook it on. Is that okay? Fantastic. Pitmasters that. I cook on pellet grills all the time. They're, they're fantastic. The pellet grills are like the best thing to happen to normal people because smoking is not easy normally, nope. but you fucking have a pellet. It does it all for you. Mm-hmm. You just have to put stuff on the meat and then throw it on. Yep. And the pellet grill does it for you. Well, the best meat comes off of an offset. Well, I would agree with brisket. You can't help it. But you know what? No, not anything else. Yeah. Like, and who gives a Tell shit? Tell me the difference between like a, a rib that's on an old hickory or a rib that's on some sort of 500-gallon offset. It's it's all the same. It's all in how you do it. Neither are as good as a braised rib. <laughs> you know what, though? Let's get to that. I mean, we're boiling our ribs. That's what we're doing at Salt City Barbecue. Yeah. You so, have, no, I'm just kidding. That's what a lot of people do. I don't understand the boiling of ribs. That's... Well, back back when we I used to do it when I was younger, right? We we came from all those bad things that everyone laughs at now. Like it's not there's not smoke bellowing out of the smoker, so it's not it's not good. We need more. So let's get some mesquite uh, wood chips and soak them in water and throw them in. That's how we used to do it. 
you know, and boiling was a way to tenderize the rib. Yeah, so it would make it tenderize and it would fall off the bone quicker. So you could that's get why that. I like to braise, yeah. Right. It's the same thing. So we braise our briskets. We do. We, oh, we put them in, in the au jus and we reboil them in and we seal them up and they sit there and just cook overnight. So I need to try that. I suck at brisket so bad. It's like here's, it kinda... here's how you do brisket. Take your brisket and cook it. And I like you, to separate it. I was going to say, do you separate them then? I do. I like to separate it. I cook to color when I just scrape it and none of, none of the stuff comes off. And I'll throw it in there with some beef consomme from uh, Campbell's Beef Consomme, right? Take a uh, cap full of my favorite rub and just throw it in that I used and just uh, wrap it up three times and stick it back in until it's, I can just pour it like butter. And then take it out and you'll slice it and it's perfect every time. We got to try, try it. That. But he did he did wings for the first time because we're going to do a Super Bowl thing and he wants to do wings. And damn, if those things were not juicy. And so the very first time just came yeah, out I, so I marinated them over. They were, I think that they were a little, we decided they were a little bit, it was a little bit too much salt in the rub. But other than that, they and were on the pellet grill, they're fantastic. Well, nah. he just did his in the smoker. Okay, can I tell you? Gotcha. I, I'm going to tell Later everyone because I don't know. Girl, I don't know that I've or. told this on the podcast yet. Mm-hmm. I have. So my mom tried to do a really nice thing for me like a year ago for Father's Day slash Christmas. So she is a she runs an Ace Hardware where where we come from. She's the the store manager, and um, the Weber guy gave her box rate on Weber came out with a couple years ago these Weber. Uh, I think they were called Crossfire or mm-hmm. something grills, but basically they were pellet grills that could get up to 600 degrees. And they had the way their technology worked, like the auger, so the box sat on the back and the auger pushed up into a firebox that was in the center. And it's a piece of shit. It mm-hmm. is the biggest fucking lemon that Weber has ever put out. It's I have literally replaced every part before I finally gave up. Except on the for the, sh- the actual shell, like we've taken it apart like five times. I've replaced all the mechanical units, the electrical units, the well, auger. They knew that it was a bad product and they rushed it. Yeah, they rushed it. They put it out and like it's garbage. Mm-hmm. It's absolute great idea, but they just executed so poorly. I, I, Weber's it been sucked because we would get out there and we would think it was going, and then he'd get an alert on his phone, and because of the way it was designed, you can't just go out and start it again. Mm-hmm. So now you've got like this partially cooked whatever on your grill and then i gotta go finish somewhere else like on a barbecue. so we just got a regular barbecue grill and went back to the smoker so i've got a i've got an electric smoker that's super well insulated and i can smoke out on my back porch any time of year and that thing holds at a great temperature so i love that thing mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic it's just too small now that he does it so much we were actually talking about it the other day that's the one thing i'd say someone buying a new grill is that they're like what should i get just big <laughs> just yeah. get something large you know yeah, well because if you want to do i mean like you want to do racks of ribs you want to and you don't want to have to cut them in half or you want to do big briskets like you can't do that in small spaces mm-hmm. so yeah and you know that's the only thing is that you always want to cook more once you once you get it down once you get confidence now you want to do more and more and more and you know so. i pretty much wanted him to smoke everything like we now don't have thanksgiving turkey unless it's smoked there's no other way. Because man, smoke turkey. Oh, the flavor all the way through, and you just I've later got... when it's cold, and you just pull it out of the fridge. Oh, that is some good. Don't you feel turkey. bad for those people who cook in the oven now? You're like, no, oh. because <laughs> I just I don't have to worry about that. I know, be like you guys. That's oh, so cute. So what's your uh, what's your absolute favorite thing to make? Ribs, ribs. 100%. I love ribs. The thing is, is that barbecue. I've done it for so long now that everything is good. I don't. I'm not one of those people like oh, I hate barbecue, but it's kind of getting to the point where I'm not craving it. But I will 
crave ribs. I will eat ribs. I will never not so, like ribs. Baby back or spare? Ribs. Any rib. <laughs> Damn it. I don't, Me too. If I had in a vacuum, absolutely St. Louis cut because I love fat. But in their fattier and they're more juicy and I, you can do a lot more with them. But if they're baby back, hell yeah, bring it. If they're beef ribs, even better. But anything I like rib. Pork, I like pork ribs the best. Oh, yeah. Pork ribs. I'm a pork fan. Mm-hmm, same. And pork ribs to me, they're just, oh, I can just, even bad ones are good jerky. You know, it's just like I could still eat <laughs> ribs. Just give it to Well, the, the best thing about like meat and like ribs and stuff is it's so good cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love to eat cold steak, cold pork chops, pork, cold ribs, cold. What I'll just eat it mm-hmm. cold. Yeah. Since it's been cooked, I, I could eat them forever and ever and ever and ever. Me too. I could eat them all day and never get sick of them. Me I just too. love ribs. So they're my favorite to cook. I, I, I want... I have a goal to be known for ribs in Utah. I want everyone to be like, dude, go to Salt City Barbecue. That those ribs are fantastic. Let, so I, I take them very seriously. Let me tell you, this, this is just coming from a guy that has eaten almost every damn barbecue place in the valley, and I love barbecue. I grew up on Texas style barbecue. Uh, you don't have a lot of competition to beat. Does I, I know, <laughs> I know. I don't want to be that guy. But yeah, there, I mean, there's like, there's some few good ones. You don't have to be. I'm that guy, and I've had this discussion <laughs> with other people. Our barbecue is severely lacking, in, mm-hmm. especially in Salt Lake County. The best barbecue in Utah, I still think, is Bam Bam's. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like not even close. Like Bam Bam's is so good. Smoking Apple. Yeah, is, is, he, is they're down in Utah Talk County too, right? I haven't had them yet. He used to work with the guy that owns Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I keep calling it Sean's, but I've been told it's Scenes. 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 Yeah, Scenes a really good friend of mine. He's yeah. really good. His I stuff love. is amazing. I, so I have to go try his stuff. But Bam Bam's, in terms of like ribs, probably your biggest competition is, is Cameron down there. Yeah, and he's he studied with some good people down in Texas. So I mean, he has a, he has a big uh, foot up, and he does a fantastic job. And and that's the thing with me is like. I have a lot of people, you know, we do food trucks together and they're, and they're new and they ask me questions and they're like, well, is it weird? And I'll give them my recipes. I'll tell them, I'll teach them, come work on the truck with me. And they're like, why would you tell them that? I mean, first of all, I can give you guys the same recipe I use. We're not going to cook at the same number one. Number two, if these guys go out and kill it, that's good for me. That's good for everybody. You know, because we don't have a lot to go off of is the problem. We don't have good barbecue. Rod and Raj did a good job with R&R when they first started. R&R sucks. But now it's not great at all. It's it's not good food. And so it's like that's the standard, though, and we need to up that standard. And I would I would love for that to happen. I'm not the kind of guy who's like, oh, I just want to be the best ever. <clears throat> no, I want to create a scene where we have good barbecue. And if my friend Mike's doing that, fantastic. My friend Colby's doing that. Let's go. Wouldn't Let's like make cool some good stuff. For people to think of, because like when you think of barbecue, people are like, oh, Texas style or St. Louis style or you know, um, wouldn't it be cool like if you Georgia's, guys managed to make Utah style? Like yeah, like this, something. like southeastern barbecue, like Georgia, like you know, barbecue mustard with the with the pulled pork and. I think that ship has sailed, though. Unfortunately, I think it's too late for us because. To have you need all to those... put on your truck. Your slogan is "We've upped our standards, so up yours." <laughs> yeah, that's, no. that's taken, dude. That's taken. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, but it's like back then it was everything was regional, and that's how it was. You know, now everyone's copying everybody. There's no more originality anymore because there's no privacy. There's no. There's no. There's no Lubbock, Texas. You know, back in the day when no one was talking. You know, because even in Texas, there's four different varieties. You go down to the South San Antonio area. It's like yeah. Fiesta style. It's Mexican style, Central Super Texas is salt and pepper in Lubbock and those places in Bandera. There's sauce on the brisket, you know, and different things like that. So the regions happened because it was, they just didn't know any better. You know why there's sauce on the brisket? 
It's too fucking dry. That's the thing is everyone. <laughs> that's that's the thing is like someone's like, well, I know barbecue because I'm from Texas. Like, yeah, your barbecue sucked like, back in the day. I <laughs> Franklin I barbecue prefer made it. barbecue with no sauce. Yeah, it's the best way if you can. Pr- that is the thing. If you can cook barbecue and you don't need sauce, you've done a good job. I mean, I will eat it with sauce. Like he like he prefers it. Like he likes to put make his own sauce and put mm-hmm. it on there, whatever. And I'll eat that. That's fine. But I prefer if. My ribs with no sauce, my wings with no sauce, my, if he makes a steak, I don't use any kind of sauce. I, I just want it to just taste good without all yeah. of the extra stuff. And the only sauce we, the only thing we put sauce on is our nachos and our sandwiches. That's it. But our ribs. You're going to do that because of the bread. I feel like if you're just putting like no sauce on, it kind of starts to, the bread starts to kind of get yeah, dry. Yeah, dry. For you sure. can have a couple bites and then you're like, we do it Carolina style, I guess, if I had to say, because we do put the coleslaw on it. But I don't know. It's like I think you know, the Utah thing, I think that ship has kind of sailed. I don't know if that would ever be a thing. I think that we can make it where we're known for it. I mean, it would be cool. People are like, oh, let's get some barbecue because we're in Memphis. We're like, let's get some barbecue because we're in Salt here. Lake. Yeah. But it wouldn't be Salt Lake style. It would just be, man, Salt Lake knows what's up. Yeah. They, you know? Salt Lake, we've talked to a lot of guests about this. Salt Lake has an amazing food scene. Yeah, they're getting a lot. Like, we, we have so many great varieties of food. But there are gaps. Across the yeah. globe. One really big gap is barbecue. It's... It's pretty bad because the thing with it is, is that I hate to say that barbecue is very accessible for most because I can go out on my Traeger and cook a rib and it's good. And I'm like, hell yeah. You know, I don't have to go out and be a French chef or an Italian chef or know how to cook Mexican food. I can just go, hey, I have this sauce I bought. I have this rub I bought. I have a Traeger. Let's rock and roll. I can open a restaurant. And it's so simple. But it's like it's like playing Texas Hold'em, you know, it's so easy to learn, but it's so hard to perfect. And, and to be consistent because be, you might have gotten it right the first time and then the next time. Well, yeah, hundred percent. But the thing is, if you can perfect it, you draw in crowds. Like there's a gas station in Rock Springs, Wyoming. I don't even remember what the hell it's called anymore, but the, there was a barbecue place uh, attached to it called Pat's barbecue. And their slogan was, you don't need teeth to eat our meat. It's the best damn barbecue. I've had. It's in fucking Podunk, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. There's a place that has perfected bar, like the brisket was just fall apart in your mouth. So moist and so delicious. You have to have anything like that here. Like, mm-hmm. Nothing. There's a couple of places that come close, but. And it, and that's what I, I hope to change. I, I, I hope to be the best. I mean, obviously, that's always your goal. But at the same time, I'd rather be a part of a revolution than be the guy. You know, that's I want to. I try hard. I mean, I really do take it seriously. And sadly, not a lot of people do. They just think that they can do the bare minimum and get away with it. And sadly, we allow them to do that. Well, I never had bar R&R when it was good because I've been told it used to be good. But the first time I ever had it, I think was maybe at the stadium and everybody was just like, we got to go to R&R. And I'm like, this is gross. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't eat this. Well, yeah, well, they got bought out and uh, Rod and Raj didn't have a lot of foot holding. And they opened it. 15 restaurants. And then that's hard when now you have a 16 year old kid running your pit, you know, and, and you have these, you know, you have these recipes they need to follow. But barbecue so much more than that. Like I said, anyone can barbecue, but very few can do it right. Well, there's a difference between like, Okay, put it on the pit, let it rotate for, you know, 10 hours. And, and then looking at it and going, oh, no, but it needs to come off in nine or, oh, no, that needs to stay Yeah, and just actually 11. knowing, like, yep. when it's done. And that takes practice, man. You know, 
you can tell a pitmaster by the stack of their ashes, you know, and, and a lot of a lot of people have really small stacks of ashes. <laughs> <laughs> and they think they can get away with it. And it takes work, it takes consistency. I failed more often times than I've won. You know, it's just I made some bad barbecue and I still do. So but I learn from it every time. I take notes on every cook I make and I, I try and dial it in. I go back, I taste everything I make, I wonder what I could do better and, and I could always constantly improve the process and that I think that's it's it's a passion that you have to have. And if you don't have it, you don't win. And I think very few have it, period. And in Utah, even fewer have it. Okay, we got one more question for you before we get out of here. Okay. You've been in Utah your whole life. What is the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your time here? Um, Gosh, man, I love Utah history. That's one of my favorite things of all times. I'm constantly reading about books about that. And, um, you know, if you're not from Utah, I think if you guys want to get my, macabre for a minute, like read up on everything that happened with the um, the Meadow, Meadows Massacre down in St. George. You can even listen to our episode about it. Yeah, do that. <laughs> and it's it's fantastic. It's just it's not fantastic. It's just the saddest thing you'll ever oh, read. Fantastic in. doesn't always mean good. Yeah. Fantastic just means it's just the craziest set of scenarios that had to happen in Utah. And I'm just going to go from a historical uh point i love i mean i'm not mormon i've never been that way but i have a lot of respect for the history of mormons in this town and what they did and what they went through and and what they did and when that was probably the most fanatical thing i've ever seen in my entire life and this this story is heartbreaking so if you you know that's probably the craziest thing i've heard of in utah but i mean there's so much cool things in utah i just i love this place i think it's one of the best places to live i'll always live here we have everything from the arches to, you know, the northern, you just the want to, dunes. if you're an outdoorsman, this is like a dream come true, you know? And yeah, there's no better place. I love it. And I think it's great. And, and there's so many things that, to discover and things to do here. And, and the history of it's just so fascinating. And I love it. I just love it all. Yeah. If you, if you guys want more info, uh, episode 179, we go into like serious, serious depth about the yeah. Meadows massacre and, John D. Lee in particular, who ended up being the giant scapegoat for all that. Mm-hmm. Question country. on that real quick. Yeah. Do you think that Brigham Young knew? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. And he could have stopped it. Yes. Absolutely. I don't think he He's wanted to stop it. it. I, th- I think he wanted it to happen. I mean, look, if you really read Utah history, if you're a Utah history buff, there's no denying that the, the leadership of the church in those days perpetrated everything. They were behind everything that happened because they – there's a reason they got kicked out of Missouri. Yeah, it wasn't because they were good fucking people. <laughs> yeah. They were terrible people. Like they they had ideas – it's beyond like the plural marriage stuff that they were doing. They were dicks. Mm-hmm. They were they – were, and they, they came out to Utah. They're like, oh, we're taking this. Uh, oh, there's these people that are already – fuck them. Kill them. Like, but you have home. a flag. Let's, yeah, let's figure yeah, – yeah. No, no flag, flag no country. country. You can't have one. <laughs> oh, flag, no country. <laughs> Good. Eddie Izzard fan. Yeah, my, my grandfather was actually shot in Hans Mill. And his wow. name was Jacob Fouts, and he died. He was the very first person to die in Utah. And he, was fi- he was found in the Block 49 project that is under the Palladio Apartments. Oh, wow. And he now is buried at this the place monument, which is super cool. That's that really cool. cool. Yeah, I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that's like, there's a lot of history there. But I, I don't know, unless you are blind to the faith, which a lot of people are here, like you can't deny the early church days. Like that's like, I mean, look when the, the, the Utah war that happened, like they 
buried the fucking temple so pe- so that the U.S. troops couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. Like, mm-hmm. and they were ready to burn the town to the ground. Yeah, this is, they were going to burn everything. You know, like I said, other people have. I have. I'm a. I'm an atheist. I, I whatever, but I believe that just these what Mormons did and what they went through is a cool story. I mean, it, they, it's insane. They, they 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 staved off the American gov- like army. They they Indians everything, and they they did well, and they prospered, and they they're still here, and they're bigger than ever. Well, and <laughs> so. they still make they still make this state work. Like, there's a reason yeah. that they make it worse and well, work at the same time. Right, yeah. Yeah. but like <clears throat> I, we've talked about before, our healthcare system for hospitals, mm-hmm. we have a huge rural community, and it is served so well there's hospitals that are nearby there's clinics that are nearby and it's all because of intermountain healthcare they go ahead and take all of the profit that they get from all the big hospitals in the cities and they let it funnel down to because those rural hospitals non-profit organizations and so mm-hmm. those hospitals can exist and without them we wouldn't have that mm-hmm. i mean there's all the bad stuff they hear about too but that's an amazing thing there's not a lot of other um places where there's rural occupation that have the same kind of healthcare infrastructure infrastructure that we have. You look at Brigham Young. History truly was the epitome of the wild, wild west. I mean, it is everything you think about when you think of the 1800s and cowboys and Indians and motor and trains and the crazy, like it's amazing. Was it Butch Cassidy? We, that- yeah, we did a we did a whole year of infamous Utahns, and it's insane how many of those famous wild wild west people from Butch Cassidy to Porter Rockwell, they're all fucking Utah people, and they all hit out here, and they hung out here, and they robbed trains here, and they died here. That's and because this is the middle of the country. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it was it was the middle of everything at the time. Jack Slade is buried here. He's a famous gunslinger out of uh, uh, Montana, the Overland Trail. And uh, he was buried in a casket full of whiskey. You know, just crazy yeah. cool stories. But the Mormons Brigham Young, that guy was one of the most, inf- he, I, in my mind, one of the greatest leaders of all times. Whether he was a, he, he had a lot of problems, but what he did is asked, is just, it has to be respected because he is, I mean, what he's done and where this state has become and where it came from is, 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 is crazy. So where can people find you? Where can they get your good food? You can look for me on Instagram and Facebook at Salt City Barbecue, spelt out with a C. If you do BBQ, it's some guy in Czechoslovakia. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> but you can go to Salt City Barbecue, spelt out with a C, dot co, dot C-O, and see our menu and stuff and where we'll be and subscribe to the newsletter and follow us on all those places. And we post up where we're going to be and come give us a try. Awesome. And I think that's going to do it for uh, for the episode tonight. Uh, so hopefully you guys liked uh, what you heard. Share it even if you didn't, because that's what we really give a shit about. Um, <laughs> you can follow us on uh, social media at TNU Podcast. TheNewUtah.com is our website, or HotDog-Water.com is the other website you can hit find all of our stuff. Got it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. I wonder how many people actually go to that website. to. to I don't know, it. but I love it because <laughs> put it's it my our, creation. It's on our Twitter account. Looks oh, like on, hot dogs. Since I, since I <laughs> bought that domain, it's been on all the show notes. And <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I still think it's funny. <laughs> I just wish I, you know, was flush enough with cash that I could have afforded twenty five hundred for the real joke. But yeah, I didn't want to spend that kind of money on a joke without the dash. <laughs> yeah. <about> Hotdogwater.com <laughs> still available. I love it. That's you awesome. got the if you scratch. want twenty five hundred dollars, if you guys want to make a donation, Hotdogwater is twenty five hundred dollars. Hotdogwater.com. It's because it's a dot com. It's got yeah, I know, right. It's three short words, like easy to remember. And like, everybody knows how to spell hot dog and water. Yeah, those those go up. 
for sure. So, well, thanks for joining us tonight, folks, and uh, go have some barbecue. Yeah.